Um, I'm Chris, I'm one of the elders. Um, I know that, I'm, well, I'm, number one, I'm grateful that when Ken said that I was preaching, I didn't see anybody leave. Um, that's good. It's reassuring, especially after last week. Uh, but um, I'm just grateful to be able to, to do this. I'm grateful to be one of the elders here and, um, and bring the word. We are continuing to go through Matthew, as I think we're going to be for some time. And uh, we're basically just going verse by verse, taking a look at what Jesus is saying. And right now we're in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. So let's pray as we get rolling. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us and uh, instructing us and, and, Lord, continuing to, to refine us as we, as we move forward in, the, in a direction I hope that's closer to you. We pray that, um, that as, we, as we talk this morning that um, we will leave here with your name on our lips and um, with your mercy and your grace and your redemption in our hearts knowing that, that you... Um, as you, as you explore the, uh, the Old Testament law here today with us, um, that we know that you are the fulfillment of that law. And we're thankful for that. Uh, please help me to get out of the way and bring the message you want everyone here to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm hoping that Doris will make me a cake if I keep it short. She has not said that she would. She's not in here. So if you see her out there, tell her it was like 20 minutes, even if I go 40. I have no idea. But we're going to start uh, with uh, Matthew 5, 33 through 42 today. And so I'm just going to read 33 and start there. Um, it's on oath. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You've heard that it was said eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So there's a lot in here, um, and so we'll just kind of dive in. I'm going to probably take a look at it a little verse by verse. Um, if, if you're anything, anybody, anything like me, you're kind of like, well, I don't know what he, what he means by some of this stuff, because um, I don't really take oaths, and uh, um, took a vow which is awesome. Um, but he is basically, once again, looking at the Old Testament law and saying, like he did with hatred and murder and marriage and remarriage, um, lust and adultery. This week, we're looking at oaths and, and uh, the law and re re retaliation and justice. And so, again, he says, but I say to you, it's his divine authority and his kingdom ethics that he's trying to instill in us that, that go, with the, go with the law. He's trying to draw out the real significance of the Old Testament law. Oh, let's move that. 
And so in verse 33, he says, again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. He said, do not break your oath. So what, what's he talking about? Um, he's referring to a few things. Uh, Leviticus 19, do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Also Numbers 30, uh, verse 2, when a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. So the basic point of this is don't lie. Keep your word. Don't perjure yourself. Um, so when he, when he says do not swear, he's not talking about cursing or, or bad words. Um, he's just basically saying that um, you don't need to call on God to affirm the truth of what you're saying, um, you know, to prove that it's actually um, not a lie. And um, he's, he's, but he's also saying basically just don't swear. Just don't swear at all. Now, these oaths that he's talking about are, they're, they're consistent with God's character, okay? And, um, some of the demands in the New Testament, too. Second Corinthians, but it says, But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. In Galatians 1.20, I assure you before God that what I'm writing you is no lie. So basically, there's, a, there's kind of a, a real hierarchy of laws uh, in, re, with regards to oaths in, um, in Judaism at this time. And it, he basically says it's just better to avoid them altogether. Um, not because of the commandment, but because of their traditions. See, once again, they've taken, taken the, the law, the letter of the law, and they've kind of distorted it to suit themselves, and um, as they did with, with everything that we've just discussed so far. Um, verse 34, he says, But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by the earth, for it is the foot, his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. So basically, Jewish leaders viewed um, swearing by, the, by heaven, earth, Jerusalem, the temple, what's head, uh, less binding than swearing by God. They weren't swearing by God, so they were kind of releasing themselves uh, from having to keep the promise they were making. And it was just another out that they had worked into um, their distortion of the law. And uh, Jesus responds by stressing that each of these items belongs to God in an important way. So the, the conventional Jewish distinctions are no longer valid. So what, it, what is this referring to? Uh, dig a little bit deeper into Isaiah 66, verse 1. This is what the Lord says, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? So it says, heaven is God's throne, earth is his footstool, Jerusalem is the city that God occupies, and he numbers the hair on our heads and ordains the color. Hair dye was not invented, and, and it wasn't on their radar, and neither was radar for that matter. <laughs> um, so to further illustrate this, uh, in Matthew 23, verse 16 through 22, says, Woe to you, blind guides. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bound by that oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? 
Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. So apparently there was something where the Jews had kind of reasoned that a lien could not be placed on, on the Lord's temple. And so they, they, um, they basically invoked uh, oaths and on, the, on the temple and that, and um, they knew it was meaningless. And so Jesus was basically saying, look, it's all meaningful. Everything that the law says is meaningful. As I said, he didn't come to abolish it. He came to fulfill it. And so the gifts on the, on the, on the no, I was going to say the throne, the gifts on the altar are, are sacred to God, and everything in that temple is sacred to God. And so it was taken in that his name, and the name of all those things is also binding. So all that being said, no promise can be made, no word can be spoken, and um, nothing can be done without being in the presence of God anyway. And so that's the point of, of what Jesus is saying. And so that's where I, I took that, and I'm looking at that and saying, okay, well, I get that a little bit more now because I, I, we just didn't know. And the point is, let your yes be yes and your no be no. We shouldn't have to call on God to witness our statements as Christ followers, right? Um, he's watching anyway as we speak, knowing our hearts through and through. We should be people whose words are truthful and that our character backs them up so that we don't have to swear about what we say. We don't need to give anybody a formal assurance that we're telling the truth if we're truth tellers. And then people, people can trust the word that we say. So, verse 37, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So, <laughs> this is a tough one because Jesus is saying anything beyond yes or no um, is evil. It comes from the evil one. Um, do we... I know if you're like me, you're like, okay, well, I've started sentences with, to be honest, or to be quite honest, or uh, honestly. And have you ever thought, well, what does that mean about the rest of what I say, you know, when I'm not saying uh, honestly? Um, no, we, we just need to be truth tellers. And um, honestly, we shouldn't have to say honestly before what we say. That was an illustration. It didn't work. Um, so we know what it's saying. Okay, so what is it not saying? It's not talking about oaths in a court of law. Apparently, there are uh, some Christian, Christians who look at what Jesus is saying as, well, I can't go to court because I can't testify under oath. Um, and he's not saying that. Um, he's not talking about that. He was obviously prepared to speak when he was, um, during his trial, I'll say that in quotes, in Matthew 26, verses 63 and 64. But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied, but I say to all of you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand, at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. So when Jesus was under oath, he broke his silence that he had been maintain, maintaining the rest of that trial. Um, he's recognizing the binding nature of what was said to him. And so, obviously, he's not talking about oaths in a court. And he was definitely on trial. 
The other thing it's not talking about is being brutally honest, um, letting your venting, your attitude, arrogance, irritation, jealousy, all of that masquerade as actual honesty. Um, and I've, I've been guilty of this too, so. Um, I call it like it is. I call it like it is. That's just the way I am. Can't handle the truth? Hit the brakes. <laughs> that's, not, that's not honesty, okay? There's a difference between being honest and, and being a jerk. Um, and our, that's our arrogant frankness masquerading as honesty. And that's not what he's talking about here either. And um, I think we're, we're pretty good at that uh, as Christians. Um, some of us are better at it than others. Probably ought to stay off Facebook. <laughs> um, all right. So there's a lot here, so I'll keep going. Verse 38, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. So Jesus is alluding to Exodus 21, 23 through 24. He says, it says, but if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. And also in Deuteronomy 19, 20 and 21, the rest, <clears throat> excuse me, the rest of the people will hear of this and be afraid, and never again will such an evil thing be done among you. Show no pity, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. These are speaking about justice, not retaliation. And there is a huge difference. Um, in fact, part of why it was done was to limit our retaliation or restrain our retaliation. retaliation. Does that make sense? And so, um, so we don't just go and retaliate. The Old Testament law basically said, this is, this is what justice looks like for someone who breaks the, breaks the law. Um, and we should, be, we should be showing kindness as a rule anyway, that transcends any kind of retribution. We don't need to be getting back at each other for anything. Um, Jesus said 30, in 39, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. So in this, in this sense, what I read said that resist is basically a legal term. Um, and he's, his teaching is similar to what uh, he said in 1 Corinthians against uh, not taking fellow believers to court. Um, though it could be, also be translated, do not take revenge on someone who wrongs you. But we are, we are to resist evil. I mean, the Bible says we, we're to resist evil. So what's the difference between that and resisting an evil person? And basically, it's, it's retaliating um, and uh, trying to get back at them. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So apparently in uh, this culture, in the Jewish culture at the time, striking a person on the right cheek suggested a, a backhand. Amy and I were talking about this this morning. It suggests a backhand with right hand. And it's also um, taken as uh, an insult. It's a Jewish form of insult. Ken, do you want to do a sermon illustration for a second? <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> We'll just skip that. Um, so the, the only legal recourse for this kind of insult was, uh, was to take them to court. It's, it's like a libel. I know that's me. Uh, libel or defamation of character. And then, and, but Jesus teaches us that treating those insults and uh, retaliating and trading insults, um, even if it means receiving more, we are not to retaliate. 
And that's what he means by turn the other cheek, turn the other cheek. Um, doesn't necessarily mean to, to, let, them, to let them beat you, <laughs> beat you up. I'm going to switch mics. Mike, um, I wonder if um, me slamming this in the door back there had anything to do with that. Uh, if you were listening, you might have heard that. Um, so what Jesus is not saying is that Christians are supposed to subject themselves to physical danger or abuse. He's not saying stay in abusive relationships. Um, he's saying... Um, He's just talking about taking them to court and not retaliating, not, not being uh, slap for slap, per se. Because, uh, you know, Jesus doesn't want us to make our rights the basis for our relationships. In fact, it's the other way around. He's teaching us that standing on our rights and seeking our dignity, getting our, our dignity reaffirmed, is not the, the Christian response to an insult. He's actually saying the opposite, right? I mean, will anyone be in the kingdom of God because of witnessing our retaliation or actually getting retaliated against by us? Will anyone go to heaven because we stood for our rights? Probably not. Right, retaliation was never a right that was intended to be granted by the law, like abortion. We're not going to win anybody over by demanding our rights or retaliating against them. In fact, um, it says we're going to be persecuted and people will hate us because they hated him first. And so that doesn't, that doesn't sound like somebody demanding their rights, right? So um, in verse 40, that's hot. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. This is also talking about a legal context. Um, a coat was taken in a, as a financial pledge and had to be given back by the end of the day because it was often used as a blanket or a pillow um, for people to sleep. And um, what Jesus is saying, you must be willing to give your coat as collateral, as an outer garment, um, more than what the law would require. This is, this is kind of the essence of what, what he's been saying for the last several verses, that what he requires from us is more than what the, the law requires. And that we're to get out of the way and not make up our own version of these things and um, be satisfied with that. He's saying, I'm not satisfied with that. He's saying, but I tell you. And he's telling us that over and over and over in this. And so um, it's almost like he's setting the record straight here on, in the Sermon on the Mount with the Old Testament law and those who were, who were seeking to change it or kind of resting in the, their own traditions and versions of it. And um, he's, not the, he's, he's letting us know that... Uh, you know, in some instances, what we're, what we're, what we're looking at is, is, and what's in our heart is worse than what the law said, or it's the same as the law. 
in this sense, he's saying, um, I, don't want you to, I don't want you to fight back. If, if someone um, wants to take your coat as a, as a pledge, give them more. And he goes on to, to kind of elaborate on that a little bit more. But he went, it's more than what the law would require. In Exodus 22, 26, if you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, return it by sunset, because that cloak is the only covering your neighbor has. What else can they sleep in? When they cry out to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. So the coat and the shirt are kind of the modern-day version of the cloak and the tunic. And um, Jesus' point is this. When his, when his followers, us, meet persecution or opposition, we shouldn't stand on our legal rights. Instead, where, this, where sin abounds in others, grace should abound in us. That's turning the other cheek. Like I said, it doesn't mean we, we hang out in abusive relationships. Um, we take that to the church. We take that to God. But it's so much more. It's so much more. And, and if we do that, if grace can abound in us when we're when facing opposition and persecution, then we're more like him. And that's what we want to be. That's who we want to be. Uh, so, in, in, he kind of goes on um, in verse 41. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Now, we know, we know what go the extra mile means. I'm guessing this is where that came from. Uh, but why is Jesus talking about it? He's referring to Roman conscription. So, the Romans could conscript or grab um, a, a private citizen to carry their equipment for one mile. And um, they had to do it. And they didn't have the right to carry or to force a person to carry their equipment two miles. But what Jesus is saying is, offer that two miles. If somebody, somebody says, you're going to need to do this for one mile, carry it for two. He didn't say it like this, but it'll blow their minds. Right? They'll, people wonder when they see these things. They wonder. And, they, and, and they're, they're like looking at the, uh, the title of the, the message. How will people know we follow Jesus? I forgot to tell you that. Um, and I, as a follow-up, how else are they going to know? <laughs> to be honest, right? To be honest? Everything else I said was true, I promise. Um, I fell into my own trap there. <laughs> no, they're going to see us go the extra mile. And so it's a, it's a literal... It's a literal going the extra mile he's referring to. It's one of the reasons why Simon and Cyrene had to carry the cross for Jesus. They grabbed him and they said, you're doing this. And by law, he had to. The Jews hated this because it was publicly demonstrating and humiliating that um, you know, they're subjugated people. That they, they had to do it. Um, so I'm saying this a lot, but Jesus' point here is that the Christian does what is unexpected. There are expectations, and we are to exceed those expectations. Because grace makes us want to be disciples who make disciples. How else are they going to know? How, I mean, we can talk all day, but if we're not demonstrating, if we're not walking the walk and just talking the talk, then... We lose, our, we lose our credibility pretty immediately. So that's why we go the extra mile. That's why we don't 
That's why we do turn the other cheek, and we don't sue other Christians. And we don't, we don't have to say, oh, I promise, or uh, I swear. We're just, we're just following God and, and being people of character. And honestly, yeah, how, how else will they know? I did it again. <laughs> we need to be people of character. And looking like Jesus is our goal. So we're, at, we're to act more generously than what the letter of the law demands. Sometimes literally going the extra mile. Not only are we called to reject and avoid retaliation, but work towards a goal, the goal of doing good for the ones who we're at odds with. That's, that's countercultural. And we're not, we're not supposed to look like the culture. And, um, you know, I, I think occasionally we get in situations where, yeah, it, it, um, <laughs> we, look like the, we look like the culture, and we, and we instantly, in this culture, lose our credibility. And um, obviously God doesn't want us to do that. And Jesus is telling us how to avoid that. He says, give to the one in verse 42, give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. This was not a legal duty. It was just being generous. We had a talk, a discussion with a friend of mine once. We were talking about some folks on the street who, with the signs who were asking for money. And he said, well, I never give anything to them because they're, they're just going to buy drugs or alcohol or, or squander it. And I think, you know, you think about that. When Jesus says, give, give to anyone who asks, um, are we going to wait until someone is going to do with what we give them and use it the way we want them to? If so, we're in trouble because Jesus didn't do that, right? He, he didn't wait until uh, to come, come to earth and die for our sins. Um, didn't wait for us to, you know, to where he was just really sure that we weren't going to squander it. Because we do squander it. We waste it. And so how much more has been given to us you know, as, as Christ followers uh, without, I mean, we said last week, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He's not waiting for us to, to clean up our, our act. or um, <laughs> We've got plenty of people who squander the gift that he's given us. You just give. Give to the one who asks you. And don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Romans 13.10 says, Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So only when we show love and grace and generosity and sacrifice and selflessness uh, for the sake of others, that's how people will know the actual meaning of the law. Because he said, but I tell you, they knew what the law said. We knew what the law says. But he says, there's more to it than that. There's a deeper meaning to what, what I'm telling you and what the law says. Um, and if we do that, if we show people that, then they're going to understand that we are firmly aware that we are citizens of heaven and not citizens of this, this earth. I mean, how else are they going to know if we don't show them? We, we've talked about this before, too. Um, if, if we put love God, love people on the front of our building and don't do that, um, 
We've wasted an opportunity and we've discredited ourselves. And so um, in, in some ways, we either, you know, it's kind of the chicken or the egg, I guess. Um, you put it on the building and you have to do it, or you do it and you put it on the building because that's what God called us to do. And that's where we were when we did it. We're like, our, our message, the message of the gospel is more important than any church logo, any church building, anything. You don't win people for God by having the coolest church logo and putting it right over the door. You challenge yourself. You challenge that Jesus challenges us all the time. And so the challenge is love God, love people. And we're grateful that Jesus tells us how. Be generous. Be different. <laughs> Be different than what the world would, would expect from you, from us, and what the world teaches. Be different. Be selfless. If you don't know what selfless means, just think of it as think of yourself less. I used to have a favorite phrase uh, in a meeting. If I would talk too much, I'd say, enough about me. What do you think of me? Um, <laughs> because I hate the tension <laughs> that comes with public speaking. And, um, and sometimes meetings get a little rough, so I just add a little levity to it. I don't know that I've officially been fired for that yet. But um, be selfless. Give of yourself. Try to, the challenge, one day, Spend one day, well, one minute, one hour, whatever, whatever it takes to do, live your life for someone else. For, we talk, we've, we've uh, discussed this before. Um, it's easier to say that I would die for somebody than to live for someone. Being selfless means getting out of the way, dying to yourself. That's what that means. Be honest. And don't be a jerk about it. Be, be a person of character who doesn't have to doesn't have to give a, uh, a message in, at the beginning of everything that, that says, "Oh, I swear that what I'm about to say is true." If they know you and know you're a Christian and you're walking the walk, they're going to know that what you say is true. There doesn't have to be any doubt. You don't have to dispel the doubt because there isn't any. Be kind. This is not about Ken, but um, I heard once that um, <laughs> it really isn't um, that people in the food service industry um, are not fans of Sunday afternoons because Christians are terrible tippers. That, that stinks, doesn't it? That's not kind or generous. We can change that. We can change that by walking the walk. Be obvious. The works of the flesh disqualify us for the kingdom of God. So the things we do that are not examples of the, fruit of the fruits of the Spirit, which we'll talk about, disqualify us. Like Jesus said last, last week, it's sin, and sin leads to hell. And so... Um, we are officially disqualified by our own behavior, by our own actions, by our own thoughts, by our own hearts. We are officially qualified because Jesus made it so by dying for us and coming back to life. A greater awareness of that makes us better at what we do, and that is being Christians. 
And that's why he's saying, yeah, but I tell you this. It's not comfortable. We need to be obvious. Uh, Galatians 5, 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Matthew 7, 15 through 20. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. By our fruit, they're going to recognize whether we're Christ followers or not. And people are watching, right? I mean, people are watching. Uh, I've used our um, Facebook page, for example. I use that any any social media um, so the, the second I say Facebook, everybody under 25 shuts down and goes, I don't know. Um, Instagram. <laughs> um, that's, your, that's your church sign. What you, what you have on there is your church sign. Some get kind of goofy. Some could be funny. Some are overly serious. Um, but you're, you're walking a, a walk in public all the time. And this, and this, in this season right now, people are looking for holes in our in our faith. They're looking for holes in our our um, attention to faith and our walk. And but even more importantly, God is watching, and he said, He's telling us how to behave, how to act. He's saying that there's actual fruit from the Holy Spirit being inside you: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. It's it's all there, and people are going to see that if we're walking the walk. And way, way too many Christians are demonstrating the opposite. And it just, it just, gives, it just gives the culture an opportunity to, to say, look, they're, not, they're, just, they're no different than us. I mean, you look at all this, any statistic, any statistic out there of things that have gone wrong with our society, We're no different unless we, unless we follow closely to the words of, of Christ and do it. Love God. Love people. I saw, did, did, anybody, there's a billboard over here that says love yourself first or something like that. Did anybody see that? I get it because we're supposed to love others the way we love ourselves. Um, the point of that is we're selfish. We're inherently selfish. And God wants us to be selfless. So it's kind of the counterculture sign is love God, love people, right? We're not going to put love yourself first on a building, <laughs> okay? Because the message, that message is ridiculous when it comes to being selfless and, give, and dying to yourself. By our fruit, people will know us. And they can trust us when we speak. They can trust us when we talk about faith. They can t- trust us when we talk about miracles. And when all of this when they insult us, they want to argue with us, they, there's a way that they, we can demonstrate to them that we are actually Christ followers. 
And they're looking for it anyway. So if we don't act like Jesus, how else will they know? That would be a better title for this, right? If we don't act like Jesus, how else will they know? If we say we do and don't act like it, we're actually really losing our credibility. And so um, Jesus is saying throughout all these passages that your credibility Your credibility is not based on checking boxes of the law. It's based on what's in your heart and how you respond to him. When he says, this is more important. This is actually what the law means. Hey, I came up with the law. This is what it actually means, not what you think it is. We look for loopholes and everything. But when you're you're truly living in Christ and the spirit is in you and um, you're displaying the fruits of the spirit, People recognize that. You don't have to be a, a, I mean, there are pastors that don't do that too. All over. Not here. So, does that make sense? So we went from taking oaths or not saying oaths to uh, not retaliating to um, giving to people who ask, and finally just walking the walk. Wrap it all up and walk the walk. And I would say this, if you're not going to walk the walk, don't talk the talk. Because it does more damage than talking the talk, or talking the talk and not walking the walk. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm like... We don't need to. We don't. We need to further the gospel. We need to, to expand the kingdom of heaven by being disciples and make disciples. And we do that by just acting like Jesus, being like Jesus. Okay, let's do it. Let's pray. Lord, help us to be more like you. Lord, we want to look like you. When people look at us, we want them to see you. Lord, when we when we go outside these walls and into the community. We want them to see you. We want you to be glorified in everything that we do. Help us to get out of the way. Lord, yes, we we want to love ourselves because we know that 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 is important. And we know that um, we know that that's, that's something you want us to do. But God, We're never to put ourselves first in our relationships. Help us to help us to get out of the way. Help us to get our rights, our perceived rights, and and lay them down. It just discredits us to fight for rights that we never had. Help us to be like you. Help us to start today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, musicians can come on up. You think I'll get a cake? How long was that? That's not important. What is important is that um, when we leave here, even here, when we leave here, that um, if we're wearing a shirt that says, love God, love people, that we make sure that we're loving God, loving people. 
Um, I, I once thought uh, that I need to be like the moon. The moon is this dead rock. I'm looking for Gene. Um, that reflects the light of the sun. It doesn't generate its own sun or own light. And that's, that's the way I want to be. I want to reflect the light. And that's, um, he tells us how to do it. So we need to do that. Um, actually, on the way over here a few weeks ago, I think Amy and I were driving here, and I saw a, um, a sign, a street sign, but it had a, a, a solar, little mini solar panel on top of it, and that thing was reflecting the sunlight directly, directly at the car. And I'm like, no, it looked like a light on top of this sign. And as we got closer, I realized it was just a little solar panel. And I'm like, that's what I want to be. I want to be something that, that absorbs the light, and Gene later did tell me that the moon does absorb light at some rate that I don't remember, but, and depth. <laughs> but I want to I absorb it, right? Uh, and reflect it, which is what that was doing. So um, we're going to, going to take the Lord's Supper. You know, we come down the aisles and go off to the left or the right. Or right. Um, I don't want you to take it lightly, you know, uh, as we talk about every week, this, this opportunity before we get going and before we take communion, we have an opportunity to, to, to say, all right, God, what is it in me? What is it in my spirit and my mind, my heart, that you want to change? And we agree with him that we want it to change. We're not sitting here before communion going, well, I don't know about that, Lord. Lord, put something on your heart and give it to him. You don't, and you don't even have to, you don't even have to leave with it. Just leave the bags here and go home changed. And that's the opportunity that we have with, with communion and taking the Lord's Supper together. So um, let's do that. Let's, let's do that and continue to worship him. Okay? Amen.